Hey everybody, this is Adam. Uh, I'm a 15-year performance coach with Carlos, um, and we started a project about five years ago called JC Unplugged, and it kind of evolved from him and I just sitting down with a bunch of questions that I had, and then it kind of evolved into, well, let's have the staff participate. So we are at live at one of our IHP Tuesday afternoon staff meetings, and the last half hour, we're going to be asking Carlos questions from the staff, um, and the, the, the thing about it is that Carlos does not know what the questions are. So he's kind of, I never said that he's ill-prepared, but he just doesn't know what's going to come at him. Um, and like I said, we've been doing this for five years. Uh, I looked up our first one was in April of 2015. So we kind of reinvented the JC Unplug to now, in the future, we're going to start going live rather than have it pre-recorded. So in the future, we're going to let you guys know what our next JC Unplugged live on Instagram will be, and we want you guys to ask us questions. Um, and then I'll give you, the, we'll give you all the, uh, the emails and everything else for you to submit the questions to, and we'll do our best to ask as many questions as we can in the future. But for today, we've got questions from our staff, and we're going to go right at it. Let's do it. Hey, Rio, by the way, uh, these Unplugs, are they going to make it into our Patreon channel? Yeah. All right, so those of you who don't know, we're on Patreon right now, patreon.com slash jcsantana. And all of this is going to go straight to Patreon. So if you want to get this and a whole lot more, that Patreon channel is on fire. So, so you'll probably, you can probably take some of these questions. And just it would be awesome if you could support us there. Follow up with some videos, and yeah, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. Okay, the first one. Um, when training an athlete to increase vertical jump, is there a best way to assess their vertical jump, their current vertical, and what are some good exercises to enhance that vertical jump? Uh, it depends on why you're increasing vertical jump. For example, if you're increasing vertical jump for, for basketball, we've gone from, okay, just uh, let's increase vertical jump to why are you increasing vertical jump? What's the vertical jump being used for? Because if the vertical jump is being used for jump shots, let's say in basketball, for it, it's for rebounds, those vertical jumps are not high vertical jumps. As a matter of fact, when you look at rebounds and you look at fadeaway shots, the three-point shots, uh, you're, you'll see that the jump shots, nobody jumps higher than knee level, and that's a high one. A lot of times, it's inches. It's eight inches, ten inches, eight inches, ten inches. So. You gotta go, okay, what vertical, you might already, if the person already has a 24 inch vertical, it's probably seven inches more than they'll ever need. So why are you spending time on, on the vertical? Now, that being said, okay, how, how are you jumping? Are you jumping off a single leg? Trust me, trust me, if you're jumping off a single leg, two-legged training doesn't transfer. I've already done the tests. When I was doing Olympic weightlifting, my vertical, I was a terrible vertical, went from um, 18 inches to 26 inches, two legs. My one inch takeoff was like 19 inches. And I, and, and I could not. Why? Because of training specificity. If everything you do is flat forward, bilateral, symmetrical, that's where you're going to get the, the improvement. So if you look at high, uh, high performance for performers, especially high jumpers in basketball, single leg takeoff, you'll see very thin people that are not strong in, in, uh, in the gym. All right, so A, I question the vertical jump training. B, I question the emphasis of vertical jump training. C, if you still want to do it, then you got to see what kind of vertical jump. Is it single leg? Is it from the ball of the foot? Or is it a box jump right from here? Are you trying to set a Guinness Book of World Records on a vertical? 
Abasha. If that's the case, that's like doing deadlifts for powerlifting. Then you got to do 600-pound deadlifts. Other than that, nobody needs to do a 300-pound deadlift. Nobody. You're, nobody's picking that up in, in real life. So that's my approach. Now, if you're going to do that, then you have to do single leg hops, power skipping, single leg squats, uh, ankle stiffness from long marches to pumps on any kind of leg press. Those would be the type, if you have a Smith machine, do a moving Bulgarian you know, type of thing, a, a moving split and come out of a, a single leg. Those types of things are awesome and very effective. Yeah, I think that the, 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 the takeaway um, from this could be that two-leg training does not transfer to single, single leg performance. The take-home message is most people don't need vertical jump training. There it is. That's the take-home message. So what are, you, what are you doing vertical jump if already too much vertical jump as it is? It's just like strength. Most people don't need more strength. Most people just need more conditioning. Now, if you need more strength, do strength training. If you need more vertical, then do vertical jump training. I already told you the exercises that, that would help. All right. Um, when it comes to back rehab, how much emphasis should we be placing on glutes and hamstrings? I would say a lot. Yeah. A lot. The traditional problem with back rehab and glute activation is that you have to come from the top or the bottom. Especially coming from the top, whether you're holding onto dumbbells, kettlebells, swings, barbells, whatever, <clears throat> you gotta go through the spine. So if you're going through spine rehab, you gotta get to the glutes, but you can't get to the glutes because you're coming through the spine. If the spine is limited, then you can't get to the glutes. If you're coming from the bottom up, such as a leg press, a knee extension, leg curls, then you can do those. Fairly simple, the leg press you gotta watch out because of curvature if you do that wrong, the, the, the flexing of the, of the lumbar spine. So that leaves me with very simple exercises which will go a long way. Bridging, uh, which is really from the, almost from the middle out. ABA induction with bands, which are easy to do. And I'm telling you right now, once you get your, 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 your butt strong, your glutes strong, they help. They help immensely. So I would target the glutes with your hip thrusters, bridges, and ABA deduction. And I will do my core stiffness with my 10 o'clock, 2 o'clock rotations, and then eventually drive it from the top down through some light deadlifting and stuff like that. Okay, all right. A um, couple questions about SAQ, which kind of falls in line with um, an SAQ presentation you did last week and I think the week before. Um, when should we be using agility training? The beginning, the ending, during a training session? on separate training days, where does the whole agility process fit in? If you're, if you're using agility training to teach or stimulate fast feet and fast reactions, do them on separate days. That's number one. So if you're training Monday, Wednesday, Friday with weights, do agility training Tuesday, Thursday, so you can get good quality, teach the proper mechanics, and get good quality out of it. The biggest sin in SAQ is crappy quality. And, and just coaches just, it's reps, reps of crappy quality. That's the first thing that has to stop. Um, number two, if you're gonna do it on training days, do it before if you're gonna develop. If you're going after it, do it before. Now, if you want to do agility, uh, speed agility quickness training, in a pre-fatigued state, which there's an application for that, then you do it at the end. And you use it as conditioning. But the, the caveat to that is the skills that you are doing must be mastered, it must be subcortical, you must have, you have to go through those skills like without even thinking about it. And then you can put them at the end of the workout in a pre-fatigue state. Right. So there's three applications, days on your days off for total development, 
at the very beginning to reinforce to teach a little something and get the person ready for workout or at the end of the workout for pre-fatigue and conditioning. Hey, Rio, are we getting anybody, any people asking questions? Yeah. So maybe if we have some time here, because we're almost, we're almost done. Yep. So if we, maybe you could answer some questions that are coming through. Okay, what is your opinion on using single leg runs or hops, single leg hops, as a measurement to acquire a base? We can either do those hops either for distance or for quantity, and then reevaluate that single leg hop after we've done some ankle stiffness and some hip stability. Okay, same thing. We, we've already done this, taking assessments to assess, then we program according to the compensations, and then we use these assessments to evaluate if this training was effective. Correct. All right. Science validates that process, except that process doesn't work in practicality. There's your, there's your issue. What do I mean by that? Let's say that you take a female that weighs 140 pounds and she wants to drop 20 pounds. She's got a red dress over there that's a size two and she says, when I get into 120 pounds, I'm in that size two red dress. You go, okay, so you evaluate skin fold, body mass index, weight, circumference, the whole bit. And you start off and she drops five and she drops 10 and she does, little by little. You know what happens as you're feeling thin, as you're going like this in the mirror, when you're drawing yourself in the shower with that perfect lighting that every vanity has, right? We gotta figure out what that is and put it in gyms because everybody looks great or horrible in the vanity. The vanity shows some good stuff. So everybody's like, oh. And every time she feels a little thinner, she goes to the closet and she puts up. She didn't want to drop 20 pounds. She wanted to be in the size two dress. So what's the measurement? The measurement is not the 20 pounds. The measurement is the size two dress. And every time she feels thin, she's gonna put on the size two dress. And the first time it'll be 10 pounds, so Man, I couldn't even get it past my hips, but okay, some work to do. Boom, she drops five more pounds, gets it through the hip. Here comes the thing, and ah, barely, she's busting loose, but she goes, holy shit, I was actually able to zipper it. And then she said, eh, five more pounds, and she goes, let me try it. What? What are you gonna do with that lady? What are you gonna do with that lady? Eight weeks in, three weeks in, you're gonna, let's weigh ourselves. Let's do some skin. She doesn't give a shit about the weight of the skin. Well, she's got too late. Master of the obvious. I'm already at the size two dress. Okay, so the same thing here. What are you evaluating with single leg hops? Oh, on the right leg, you got 20 yards. On the left leg, you got 18. Oh, that's two yards. That's a 10% decrement. Why are you doing the hops anyways? To run faster. I want to know, are you beating the defensive back? Are you running better? Are you free more? Can you run faster? Um, faster routes the entire game. That's my measurement. Who gives a shit about the hops? Right, but that's your measurement. I understand that that's your measurement, but couldn't, couldn't the, the training to get stiffer ankles, better hip stability, help you with your measurement of how you're moving on the field? Yes, but it doesn't necessarily relate directly to the hop measurement. So my whole thing is, we measure only at the beginning because the measurement is part of telling somebody this is where you're at. Guess what? They already know where they're at. That's why they're here. I'm slow. I need to run faster. I'm deconditioned. I need to get better. I'm too fat. I need to drop weight. You don't have to assess that because they're taking that out for a test drive every day. Every day. And it's possible, it's possible that you increase the hop and they don't run any better. 
So why do I need that? I don't need, I certainly don't need that shit. I don't need eight weeks of training and you maybe don't even improve the hop or, or an insignificant amount. What I care about is how are you feeling? Awesome. How are you feeling? Awesome. The person is feeling awesome. The training is working and they don't give a heck about tests. So I have tests. I use them initially, you know? Now, if you need numbers to substantiate to some administrator, you know what? You can collect them, but shit, I'll make them up because the numbers are useless. The numbers are useless. Oh, look, uh, oh, your average team increased your hop distance by 10% and the bilateral deficit was reduced by 80%. And the coach goes, uh, whatever you said, yeah, okay. If you say that to somebody and their, and their team is not moving better, they don't give a shit. Just like you tell a lady, hey, you dropped 15 pounds, or, or my favorite, you didn't drop any weight, but you, you changed inches. And the skin fold, you dropped five pounds of fat and gained 10 pounds of muscle, that's why you gained five pounds. Do that to a female, see what happens. They don't care. They care about getting in the dress. Athletes care about being faster, outplaying the other guy, winning, feeling good, being injury resistant. That's what they care about. All this testing, we have it. I understand it. We're including it in the app, okay? But all this testing, and I'm moving up for you. Right, that's what I do. Do the training and monitor how they move on the field. You don't even have to monitor. They monitor. They'll tell you. Oh, you should be going. You should be asking. Yeah, you should be asking how are you doing and actually going every once in a while to see your people.